0: Do you remain who you are in your culture? What if there is no land that connects you? Does that mean you're no longer who you are?
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Radico Radio. I'm Jocelyn Aram, And
2: I'm Jessica Thompson. Today, we'll be speaking with two Brooklyn-based artists, Martha Redbone, a singer, songwriter, producer, composer, and librettist, and Jayshree Abachandani, a visual artist and curator.
1: Martha Redbone, do you remember when you decided to start looking back as an artist to your roots and wanting to bring that into your music?
0: It really began with being a child and coming to New York City after the sixth grade and um, having a Native American mom and an African American dad and living in a Caribbean neighborhood where most people thought that we were um, Latino. So all of these different boxes that we were meant to kind of check, these things didn't really match me except for one box. I grew up in the 80s and during the hip-hop era and inside of our house was still Appalachia, you know, beans on the stove and somebody's baking bread and somebody was beating and making star quilts and, and so that didn't really translate in New York City. So you kind of end up living this kind of double life. And then as I got older and the elders got older and left us, you know, I realized how important it is to keep telling our family stories and to honor where we come from. current album is The Garden of Love, Songs of William Blake, where he took the poetry of William Blake and set it to the music of the mountains, the sound of of Appalachia. And now it's been, the the album is now being used as part of a lot of classrooms now, and a lot of school teachers are using it to to discuss uh, poetry and and American history. So that's incredible. So it works. You know, it works.
2: Jayshree, tell us about the work that you do. I moved to this country in 1984 as a teenager, and I was born in India, and my family hails from Pakistan. In my early 20s, I got involved in South Asian progressive political organizing, including organizations that worked against racism and the queer organization, South Asian Lesbian and Gay Association. And in that space, I found that Social justice was the primary impetus for us to be together, and there was no place for us to explore our creative voices. And so in 1997, I founded Saucy, which is the South Asian Women's Creative Collective. Taking it to archives, since we're talking about archives, I worked on a project called Before Kali, 108 clay sculptures of women. They were based on Indus Valley figurines. I mentioned I come from Sindh, where the Indus Valley is, and that is kind of the cradle of Indian civilization. So when I was growing up in India, I couldn't access my language, my land, the artifacts, and all that I ever learned from Indian textbooks was this one dancing girl. But then through my own research, I kind of discovered that they had found thousands and thousands of these terracotta figurines that were incredible. They were superbly feminist. They were like one-breasted women. They were animal-headed women. They were fat women, old women, young women, a diversity of like female form that has been lost in Indian sculpture over the millennia. I found them to be so incredibly powerful in a way to communicate everything that was happening in our lives at the moment. This is like a rawness and that and an honesty. Yeah. Yeah. Going back to the source,
1: <laughs> yeah, it's really, it's so empowering, you know, and inspiring. That's why we love talking about this stuff, though, because it really it is this connecting force. It seems like what you're both talking about is a reclaiming of this past truth that we don't have as much access to unless we go back and discover it and and reaffirm
0: what what we know. One of the things that I noticed just in in listening to Jeshi's, um description of of her work is Again, when I go back to this urgency of this empowerment and resurgence of empowering women and sisterhood and uh, honoring who we are and where we come from as women, and I think the the times are getting worse and more and more kind of ignorant, which um, for me creates an urgency to speak our truth. Part of the, the, the piece that I'm developing is um, talking about, you know, these four generations of Cherokee women. You know, women have always been leaders of our communities for thousands and thousands of years. And there were laws put in place to, to squash us. These are things that we have to kind of acknowledge, accept, and also stand up for ourselves as well especially in this day and age with all of these you know things going on with you know
2: when I listen to you talk about your matrilineal past it just makes me want to weep like it awakens like a ache in me that this land once knew that way of being and this is where we are today is really it's devastating I'm, I'm actually encouraged
0: because look at the work that you're doing. Some people would consider that radical. It's not radical. You're reminding everyone of where we come from. Yeah, It all comes back to storytelling in a way, you know, when we think of drawing from the past and the way that we
1: recontextualize it. The yeah. thread is the story. Right, right, but and different ways of representing
0: that. Do you remain who you are in your culture? What if there is no land that connects you? Does that mean you're no longer who you are? If people wonder why, you know, I, I tell these stories, this is why.